Hello and welcome to the Battleline Podcast, where we have conversations on the collision of space between community, faith, and culture. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Satterley, and here with me is my host of this podcast and co-host in life, Jamie Satterley, editor of Peer Magazine. Hi. And we also have with us here our co-host, producer, Elizabeth, who who makes this entire thing run so wonderfully. Uh, how are you doing today, Elizabeth? I am so super lovely. Stoked to be here. In today's episode, uh, we're going to be talking about um, another American pandemic. Obviously, in 2020, COVID-19 has dominated uh, the news cycles, um, and rightly so. But there is another uh, pandemic that's going on and, and has been going on since before COVID-19, and uh, that's kind of the the pandemic that we see of mental health, of uh, loneliness and depression and anxiety, worry, fear, all these things are at record highs among millennials and Gen Z. Uh, so we're going to kind of look at that problem and talk about trust and faith and some solutions that that God has given us um, and how it affects us um, as youth leaders, as parents, um, just as as humans trying to, to live out life and community with each other. But before we jump into that, I have an update for our listeners, uh, uh, also my co-hosts, on our last episode. Listen, it is to my profound regret that I must inform you that I have not survived Whamageddon. First one down, first one out. Yes. It didn't even it take was, you, uh, what, like three, four days into December? No, I will tell you the story. It was December 4th in the year of our Lord, 2020. <laughs> When I was in the kitchen preparing dinner for my family, uh, listening to, uh, you know, Christmas holiday classics like Bing Crosby and Nat King Cole and um, Andy Williams. And then all of a sudden, Alexa betrayed me. Um, I don't know. She messed with the algorithm and threw in some wham and I succumbed and it was a sad day. Yeah, yeah. For oh, those that's of you, an overly dramatic version, <laughs> but I was like, Alexa, what are you doing to me? <laughs> for those of you who uh, don't understand uh, Whamhalla and the Whamageddon, uh, you need to uh, refer to uh, episode three of the Battle Line podcast. It'll fill you in there, um, or you can be- just Google, but really go listen. That's true, but beware. So, um, as as we as as Captain Jamie was saying, as we we're going to talk about these um, things today, please know first off that none of the three of us on here are professionals. We are not. Well, we are professionals. We're just not. <laughs> just not licensed. Counselors. We're not licensed and certified, um, and bona fide uh, psychologists or anything like that. Um, we just think that's the purpose of this podcast is that we just want to have some conversations about things that. Uh, that collide in the culture and in the faith today. And uh, we're just, we want to have those uh, conversations. If you're worried, oh, you're already like, I'm going to delete this. Uh, I'm not going to listen to a sad podcast. Well, we're, we're going to, we're, you know, we're going to try to do this in the most relevant, entertaining and funny way that we can. Um, but also have a conversation about things that sometimes the world doesn't talk about. Now we're going to call these things, the ugly five. I think that's what the episode is going to be called probably in your uh, podcast feed is uh, the ugly five, because these are the five things that have been, we, we've talked about the coronavirus pandemic, but these are the five things that have been on the rise among millennials and generation Z, um, not just in 2020, but they've just really, it's really become, it's, you can't ignore it anymore. So the ugly five are loneliness, depression, anxiety, worry, and fear. Now, some of those things might sound the same to you, like anxiety and worry, but they're a little bit different. But the ugly five, loneliness, depression, anxiety, worry, and fear. Now, I would jump in there and just say, like you said, we can't ignore it anymore. And I would say that, uh, to be fair, like that's part of the problem is that for a long time, we've tried to ignore it or cover it up or make it you know, socially unacceptable to talk about uh, or to experience. And I think that's added to the problem. And so I think what's happening now is that people are saying like, listen, we've got to find a way to lose the stigma of all of this if we're ever going to have a chance to solve it. Yeah, I think um, what it's going to boil down to is when people are having anxiety, I think, and we're going to talk about this in a few minutes, I don't want to skip ahead, but it's easy for the church, it's easy for people of people of faith to say to those who are perhaps struggling with anxiety, well, you know, just have faith, pray about it, and it'll be okay. But, you know, um, among millennials, now those are those born um, before, but in the, in the 80s, late 70s, early 80s, um, up until the early 90s, um, that millennial generation, they did a survey 
um, among them and asked, like, how important is your faith during the pandemic? How important is faith? And uh, millennials actually said, were the, out of all the generations, millennials ranked lowest in how important um, is your faith during the pandemic? And I think that's a huge cause of anxiety when you don't have something solid to put your trust in to put your faith in when you don't when you build a house on sand as Jesus said um, we find ourselves in a world of hurt but when you have something solid in the rock uh, that tends to uh, stay stronger when the storms of life come up yeah it's interesting um, you know it the Millennials definitely ranked in there Gen Z there's a couple of different studies on this and Gen Z actually um, uh, kind of ranks a little bit higher. So in the the uh, Religious Freedom Index report, which came out not too long ago, um, they said that Gen Z actually relied on faith more than other generations during the pandemic. Um, about 74% said they felt faith was at least somewhat important during the pandemic. Um, so Gen X was the lowest of that group. Of all the groups, Gen X was the lowest, which is kind of keeping with that whole Gen X vibe. Can't tell me. Ain't nobody tell me nothing. That's right. Can't nobody tell me nothing. Uh, And so, um, yeah. So there's a there's a little bit of promise in there for us for those who are in youth ministry or parents, uh, you know, who are working with Gen Z. um, You know, millennials have kind of hit the the thing is what the most unchurched generation. Um, There's a term for this, and I'm blanking on it, but. so we're, you know, kind of worried that, oh, is every generation going to be a little further out than the next? You know, are we heading for some decline that we're not going to be able to turn around? But Gen Z is giving us some hope in more ways than one. There's a lot of great things about Gen Z. And I think this is one of those ones that that kind of gives us a little bit of hope. Now, obviously, we're too early into any of it to say that, like to make definite conclusions on that. Um, but it does it does shed a little a light on it. It'll shed a little hope, I think. If you if you want to say if you know if if the knee jerk reaction is you know this is not a thing like I mean mental health anxiety sure it's a problem but it's not at pandemic levels you you should know that for the first time in in a long time the life expectancy of people inside the United States has actually grown a little shorter um, has actually declined a little bit in the last few uh, years and doctors now these are not pastors these are not people of faith these are you know science and doctors who say they keep attributing it to they call it uh, diseases of despair that are causing the, the the life expectancy numbers to begin to drop. Now, this can be you know heavy mental health issues, anxiety issues, um, but you see that rooted in drug abuse, opioid crisis. I mean that that lends that to that there alcoholism, um, depression, and uh, suicide ideation. Ideation is just a fancy word of saying people aren't doing it. Um, but they're thinking about it more. And I think that leads us into the next thing. In the middle of the pandemic in June of this year, a study went to the mental health of young adults. Now, this is anybody over the age of 18, 18 to 35. And what is scary is to see that out of the people, the young adults surveyed in the month of June of this year, 25% of them said that they contemplated suicide this year. I think that that maybe just finds its root in uh, the sadness of um, the social, the uh, racial injustice stuff was going on in the summer. You have the middle, you're at the height of the pandemic. You're beginning again to get to the craziness of the election cycle. And it's no wonder that the world just uh, looks around and only sees darkness. Yeah, I think it's, it's an, uh, we're just starting to see the ramifications of a problem that's been happening for a long time. And it's just starting to bloom. I don't want to say out of our control. It's always been out of our control, Um, but it's starting to manifest um, in some really serious ways that are causing people to say like, Hey, we, we really have to figure this out um, or else, you know, we're, we're headed down a path that it's going to be irreversible for some. Yeah. And uh, I think, one more big thing that we need to we need to just right now here in the first part of this uh, podcast here in just the first 10 minutes and we're trying to just sort of set the stage for you set the problem and i think another thing that we need to talk about here is the the depression among teenagers among generation z is enormous and i think 
most scholars would say, most science would say, and I think there is a faith aspect to say that a lot of the problem that we have to lay at the feet of social media, um, social media comparison. Now, has comparison always been around? Of course. You can't be a pastor without I'm going to be honest here without some, you can be a pastor, but it's hard to be a pastor and not compare yourself to the guy, the church down the block or the church across the street. Or if you're in the Salvation Army, it's hard not to compare yourself to that Salvation Army across the division or across the state or across whatever. So comparison has always been there, but social media has put it right in front of our face, especially teenagers. When you see people do the TikTok influencers and you see the people who, you know, on Instagram, who can, I say highlight the contour, but Captain Jamie says, you know, <laughs> highlighting, you a, highlight a highlighting a contour is not a makeup <laughs> tip, which is not a thing. And I'm glad I'll own that. I don't know that. Thank the Lord. <laughs> but when you see people driving nice cars, wearing all this makeup, getting all this stuff for free, staying in nice places, it's hard for you to see that, look at your life and say, man, I don't measure up. And because of that, depression kicks in. And then when depression kicks in, it just invites these ugly four friends to come in as well. And so this is something we need to be aware of. Guys, hear me. If you're a, if you're a teenager out there, if you're a young adult, listen to Uncle Matt. I try to say that once an episode. The stuff you see on social media isn't always real. Let me say it again for the people in the back or the people who just took a left and the blinker couldn't hear from because of the, the blinker in the car. What you see on social media isn't always true. You are seeing somebody's facade, somebody's brand, somebody trying to build up their lowercase k kingdom right there. They're trying to market themselves. That's all insta- social media is. I think John Christ, we know him, he said it best once. No, what's the in the what's in the middle of social media? Me. Social media trying to see everything about us. So, if you are comparing your life based on what you see on the gram or uh, TikTok or for the uh, baby boomers out there, Facebook, um, you got to get off social media. You got to stop doing that. Anything, uh, uh, Captain Jamie, Elizabeth, help me out. I would just say that, like, uh, don't take this as we're saying, like, social media is the devil or whatever. Like many other things in life, uh, when used in a healthy way or in a correct way, you know, it's you know, it can be fun. It can even be life-giving in some cases. Um, but it's when we have an unhealthy relationship with it that it can become damaging. Um, so, so don't, don't hear us say social media is the devil. You should never be on social media. We're just saying we, you have to, you always like that. You have to be with many things, reflect, uh, reflect inward self-introspection and, and figure out like, Hey, is this causing me to have, you know, self-doubt, anxiety, you know, maybe if so, what are some limitations? Can I change the way I use it? Should I stop using it for a while? Do I need to take a break? Um, This applies to a multitude of things in your life. Uh, But for right now, when we're talking about social media, you know, maybe there are just some limits that you need to put on it, some changes that need to be made. Maybe it's not bothersome to you. You have a healthy relationship and that's great. Um, But, you know, we always have to be monitoring these things um, you know, a host of things to see what is it, what's the effect it has on my life? What was the stat? I mean, I can't, there was, I, I'm sure there's a stat, but what was it in the nineties? You remember they used to tell us in health class was like women, girls looking at magazines would start to feel bad about their bodies 30 seconds after, you know, reading a fashion magazine or whatever that that has never changed we just now we put it in front of your face it's on your phone you carry the magazine with you wherever you go so again captain jamie saying yes please don't hear us say i mean i'm on i'm on all the social media uh things follow me no i'm just kidding don't do that um (laughs) (laughs) no but if i am not i if social media is beginning to take over your life and beginning to make you compare what you have the things that you're thankful for, the gratitude that you have, and you begin to ignore that and look and see all the things you don't have and see what these people who are propping up a fake idea of what their life is like, then that's going to lead to stuff. And we just see that happening. We see that ripple effect. Yeah. Well, listen, it, so two things. One, they're saying, uh, I read an article not too long ago that, that talks about how kids as young as six are starting to have uh, issues with 
um, with this comparison thing or thinking, oh, you know, I don't have the right kind of body. I need to go on a diet. Six years old. Um, that's insane to me. Um, and so I think that we've got to, to look into these things and realize them now because it's affecting our kids at an earlier and earlier age. Um, and we don't, you know, we don't, obviously we want to do whatever we can to, to negate or minimize the damage that that does in the life of a child. Um, you know, it just creates a whole host of problems later on. And I'll say like, you know, everybody is susceptible to those kind of comparison things. I fall into it. Uh, it can be, <laughs> I find myself on Instagram stories following, you know, these um, influencers, like I am uh, an elderly lady. So it's not so much the, uh, you know, makeup and all that kind of stuff, but like moms and all these kind of things. And I think, man, why doesn't my house look like that? I am the worst. I am the worst lady. <laughs> I am the worst mom. I'm the worst whatever. And you always have to kind of check yourself and just be like, you know, it's easy to show the good stuff. It's easy to highlight the good stuff and not to show all the, you know, all the junk in that corner. It's all about the angle you take the photo or whatever, but um, everybody's susceptible to it. It's not just kids, it's not just teens, it's not just girls. It happens to boys too. Um, so again, uh, it's just uh, self-introspection. How, what is, it's just being aware of what is this doing to affect me? Um, and then, you know, what do I need to do to, to help correct? Uh, yeah, last quick thing here and then we're going to move on. But um, I just, I felt like the need to say it too. To my fellow Salvation Army officers that are out there, this takes place not on social media, but at officers' councils. When people are together in the room, they compare and that just leads to depression. And the reason we wanted to have this podcast is because we wanted to have a place where we could talk about these things, um, not to shy away from the difficult conversations. Uh, Captain Jamie and I once heard this quote, silence is toxic. And when you don't talk about the things, you just think that they'll go away by themselves. It just won't. And so this is a real problem, folks. This, this really is at pandemic levels in our country, in the United States of America, these five things, loneliness, depression, anxiety, worry, and fear. And I think sometimes it's easy for the church to just kind of sometimes say, you know, they'll just, we just lump it into doubting and just say, well, just believe. Like that's, that's when people come with these real hurts, please not us, don't let us be guilty of, of just kind of just giving the, you know, the superficial answers. Like, well, if you just believe harder or if you just pray more, or if you just, you know, get over it, geez, you know, like, you know, I grew up in West Texas playing football and my gosh, you know, the correct answer for everything was rub some dirt on it and get back out there. Right. So, um, and when people come to us with their anxiety, when their loneliness, with their depression, their worry, their fear as a church, I don't think I can remember a time in the gospel where Jesus just said, rub some dirt on it and get back out there or just pray more. <laughs> now he did put well, mud on the guy's eyes. I was going to say, what about that guy? He did with put the, mud on the guy's the eyes, <laughs> but he also didn't, he didn't do that as a, as an attitude of saying, look, just get over it, get back out there. So when people are coming to us and saying, look, I am, we have created a, a culture, I think, in which anxiety, worry, depression, loneliness, seen as fear is seen as weakness, as being yeah. weak. And when you, nobody wants to admit to it, when it's going to make it look like I am less than somebody else. Yeah. I think, um, you know, and I don't, I don't know that, that this is something that we've done on purpose. I don't want to, I don't want to say that about the church, that this is something that we've done on on purpose. But I do think that oftentimes we treat these things as a lack of faith. Um, you know, if you, you, you're just not trusting, um, or, you know, what is it, why are you so focused on this instead of focused on, on Jesus? And what we, what we need to say right up front is like, sometimes these are like, yes, there are situational anxieties or situational depressions or situational hardships, but a lot of times these things are chemical imbalances in your brain in the same way that you wouldn't, you know, have a tumor and just be like, well, if you would just trust more, your tumor would go away we shouldn't treat mental health in the same way. It's all, it's all wrapped up in, you know, in um, our anatomies and in our, you know, the chemicals and the hormones and all those kind of things. Um, and, and while sometimes they are situational and can be uh, dealt with, you know, with, with, um, you know, talking it through or with scripture or with prayer, you know, sometimes those are, those are, it's hard, you know, it's a hard balance because we're not trying to say that, 
ignore your faith or don't pray about it or whatever. Those things are part of the solution. But there are also solutions that God has given us, like medication and therapy and counseling and all those. And those things are okay. Um, we, we don't want to take faith out of the equation, but we also want to understand how faith and medicine can play into these things together. I think if that makes sense. <laughs> and, uh, you know, what, there's a, go ahead, Cam, Jamie. Oh no, I was just going to say that m- mental health does not equal a lack of faith. You can be a person of strong faith and of strong Christian character and have strong relationship with Jesus and still struggle with the ugly five. Like it doesn't, I guess that's that's the message that I would really want our listeners to hear is that um, sometimes the temptation is to think that way, that if I struggle with one of these ugly five things, that that must mean that there's something wrong with my faith. And I know that, that some people feel that way because I feel that way sometimes. Um, I struggle with anxiety at a time in my life to a crippling degree um, and was just desperate for people not to know. Um, to hide it, to to try to, I'm a very independent person. And so the last thing I wanted was for people to think that I couldn't handle, you know, my life or my job or whatever um, was going on in the thing. And so um, I understand that feeling of, um, you know, what what's wrong with me? Why don't, why I'm, I'm trying to pray. I'm in the word. I'm studying my Bible. Uh, you know, I'm a pastor, so I'm at church every day of the week, all these things that you think. And I don't know that anybody in my life ever came out and said that, like, oh, you won't have mental health problems if you do those do these things. I don't think anybody ever said that to me, but somehow that became the message that was internalized. And I think that's true for a lot uh, of people um, that we, you know, we just feel like we can't share, we can't hide, or, or our faith's not strong enough or whatever. But it's not it's not true. And nowhere, we don't find that anywhere in the Bible. Um, you know, that's, I think, just another way that the enemy tries to, to lie to us and to maybe further pull us away from our families of faith or of our relationship with God or to further isolate us to just continue that cycle of, um, of despair. You know, it's interesting. I read um, when I was looking at some stuff for this, that, um, pretty most years, pretty much for the last several years, um, the words love and peace are always like the first and second words that are kind of searched in Bible gateway. Um, it's like a Bible, like a Google search for the Bible. Yeah. For the Bible. So tons of people use it. It's like the, the foremost, um, I guess, place to go to find answers about the Bible. Um, but so peace and love are always first and second. But this year, the third place uh, was a new word that kind of came out of nowhere. And that word was hope, um, which I thought was so interesting I, and totally obvious for a year like 2020, um, that hope would make its presence known on the scene. Um, but I just thought, like, what what a beautiful opportunity for the church um, who like that's what we are is a beacon of hope, especially in the Salvation Army. It's what we do is to reach out a hand of hope to people who are, you know, are hungry or, or facing homelessness or, um, you know, just a, a variety of, of things. And uh, what, what a perfect opportunity for us to say, we, we know the answer. We have the hope. We have it. Um, and we can, we can show you, um, you know, what our hope is placed in and, and how you can find that hope to um, you version, the you version app, um, which is the, I guess, probably the most popular Bible app that people have on their phones. It's what I use um, reported an 80% increase, which is nearly 600 million people searching um, for scriptures on hope and um, on, on fear on how to um, overcome fear. And interestingly, um, the most searched, um, the most searched for scripture or the most read, I think it was the most read, the most searched for and the most bookmarked scripture verse of 2020 came from Isaiah 41 10, which says, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Um, you know, and, uh, the version founder, Bobby Gruenwald, said, um, Through every hardship, people continue to seek God and to turn to the Bible for strength, for peace, and for hope. Um, and so, 
you know, people are people are looking for it. They're searching for it. And we have the answer, church. Um, so it's a great opportunity for us. Don't like don't get uh, don't get down about it. Like that should be exciting to us is to say like, hey, you have a problem. We have an answer. Um, you know, the, this this hope that we can find in Jesus. Uh, and sometimes, you know, um, sorry, I'm trying to be careful about how I say this. We, we have a hope for you. So, so let us um, show you where to put this hope and then, you know, let us help you find these resources so we can kind of bring it all together to make you the whole person that God created you to be. Well, we want to uh, take the last half of this podcast to talk about answers, solutions, things like that, that we could, um, maybe some tips or just some things that could help people. Maybe you out there, listener, you are struggling with one of the ugly five today. And again, we are not licensed professionals. We're not licensed certain certified and uh, bona fide uh, psychologists, but we wanted to be able to give you some answers because a person who only ever states the problem and never gives solution is a goose. Okay, I'm going to say this. Follow with me. A person who only ever gives you the problem and never solutions in life are goose. And you know why they're called goose? Geeses, Elizabeth? Geeses is not the word, right word. You know <laughs> why? More. Because a goose poops every seven minutes. This is a science fact. This look, you don't come in. You didn't. You didn't come to this place today to learn. That's right, to learn science. But a goose poops every seven minutes, and I think that a person in life who only ever states the problems about everything and never offers a solution is a goose, geese, geese. Goose. So get the goose, geese, geeses out of your life, and uh, that's what this podcast endeavors to be—to give you some solutions, to give you some practical steps to help. Andrew Solomon is who I believe this quote goes to says the opposite of depression is not happiness. When we say, Oh, you're feeling sad. We'll just be happy. And then you won't feel sad. No, the opposite of depression is not happiness. The opposite of depression is purpose. Captain Jamie said it right. The opposite of depression is purpose is hope is pointing life into something bigger than yourself. And what is bigger than us, timeless in us, that cannot be shaken by the storms of life? That's Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so um, let's just not get, let's not, again, go back, going back to, when people say, I'm sad, the answer is not, we'll just be happy. Don't worry, be happy, the song says, right? Yeah. Um, Go ahead. ahead, ahead. No, I was just going to say, as part, you know, sometimes, I'll just say this. I I did not understand anxiety until I experienced it myself. I know that I, there were people in my life who were were dealing with anxiety and because I had never experienced it and because I did not understand it, I was probably very uh dismissive, not intentionally, but just because I did, you know, I I did not know until I experienced it myself. I could not and then once I did, I was like, "Oh my gosh, how, you know, how could I ever have have not been again not intentionally but how could I have not been supportive or how how did I not understand that this is what they were trying to tell me um, and so I think that if you have never experienced one of these ugly five be I would still say you know be careful about how you talk to people that are just because you don't understand it doesn't make it not real um, and so there there are things that you can do things that that you can react ways that you can support. Um, you know, not being dismissive, not name calling, not, um, you know, being, um, I guess, belittling. Though all those things um, are, are not Christ-like. What is Christ-like? Being encouraging, being supporting, uh, being supportive, be, you know, extending love and empathy, you know, just being there, um, you know, be be like Jesus to those, to those people. Um, I, I don't, I, I just, I would do, I would just say just because you don't, you haven't experienced it doesn't make it not real. So just kind of, uh, ask them how, how can I help you? Um, and I know we're about to get into some practical steps from help, so I don't want to get too far into that. But e- even if, if somebody said to me, had, had said to me at that time, tell me how I can help you. Tell me how I can support you. Um, I, that's something that I would have appreciated. Yeah. Um, 
first step, an easy one. Um, we're going to start kind of light and then get deeper as we go. But um, the first step is is simply just get outside. Um, there's lots of statistics you can read about. It. Just Google it. You'll see it. But being outside in God's creation drastically reduces stress and anxiety. So even in the pandemic, you can walk outside. You can stay six feet apart from each other. You can you can get outside of your walls. When we're inside our walls, we tend to think our world is just what inside what's what's inside these four walls. But when you go outside and feel the sun and see plants and birds and all that stuff, you just see that life goes on. Life is bigger than just us and our four little walls. So get outside. That reduces stress and anxiety. That's that's one of the simplest things you can do is maybe you need to take a 15 minute walk outside four times a day. Maybe you could, that just needs to be as simple as that. And when you do that, leave your phone at home. Maybe you can put it in your pocket, but don't pull it out of your pocket. Okay. Just be present where you are and get off social media. When you're walking, you don't need to be on, you know, Snapchat while you're walking. You don't need to TikTok us the dance or the flower that you saw. We've all seen (laughs) flowers. Okay. We love flowers, but the flowers near your house in Bloomingdale, Indiana. I don't even know if that's a place. I'm making it, it up. Is, Looks I exactly think. like the flowers outside of my house here in Alexandria, Virginia. Yeah. I mean, don't listen. I'll enjoy the TikTok videos, <laughs> especially. Uh, yes. Anyway, though some of them are very entertaining and they bring me joy. So stop stepping on the things that bring me joy <laughs> as as a as a as a, the salvation army has allowed me to be uh me and captain jamie to be camp directors for the last seven years and i think it's just so important why camp ministry is important when you get people when you get kids and teenagers because they work summer staff when you get out of your normal community your normal atmosphere and you get to go outside and cell phone reception doesn't always work the best uh, wherever camp, Salvation Army camps are. But when you're out there and you get to see the stars and see all the things, lives are changed at camp. And the, the the reason lives are changed is the Holy Spirit, definitely. But I think a huge part of why lives are changed are at camp is because distractions are set aside for a week and you can just be present in God's creation. Yeah, also, it, it was always interesting to me um, how, you know, that first week is always rough, that orientation week when the camp staff is like, wait, Wi-Fi is not great here. Uh, I, I got it. You know, I got it. How am I going to ex- exist without this thing? Um, and then by the end of the summer to see like, oh, you know, I don't I don't really need that all the time or how great these relationships have grown because I didn't have that distraction. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it. I do think there is something to, to be said about, um, you know, getting out there and, and enjoying God's creation and enjoying each other without social media. It's it's interesting to me that at a time when we're the most connected, we're the most disconnected. For sure. It is like, that's the thing. Loneliness is one of the ugly five. In a world that is made so great by social media and we are so interconnected with one another, watch a commercial. They're going to use, what you know, any TV, any commercial break is going to use the word. We're, t- we're Together is better or connected, th- this world connected. How can we be so lonely when we're so connected? That's because... We're not connected to the one who gives us purpose and love and joy and peace. Yeah. And I think, you know, we were made, we were, we are created to be in fellowship with each other. Um, You know, the Bible talks about, you know, Adam couldn't do it by himself. So God created Eve, um, you know, together, to be together, to help one another, to live to one another. You talk about the early church when it talks about the breaking of bread, which, um, you know, I could say a lot of things about breaking bread. (laughs) together uh, but the breaking of bread together the living in community with one another that's uh when we're at our best i think when we're we're living in that kind of environment um and so uh somehow you know i don't it's i don't know it's it's an interesting phenomenon to me and we could probably have a whole nother episode about it and there are people who study all of these kind of things uh who are actual professionals in in this thing uh but you know the it's just an interesting phenomenon to me that even though we have so many more opportunities for connection now, so many ways to do it through social media, through, you know, FaceTime, through email and all this other technology, how, even though we have more resources to connect in our grasp, why are people so much lonely? Why are people so much lonelier? So much lonelier? That's bad grammar, I think. 
Sounds uh, like anyway. a country song. <laughs> so, that's right. So much, so much lonelier, lonelier coming to a what we uh, talked about. Backstreet Boys or in a country it? music karaoke bar near Tell you. Tell me the reason you said I wouldn't be able to <laughs> sing one whole episode <laughs> of being lonely. Yeah, is that right? I hope I didn't it just is. mess up that's the lyrics. The <laughs> that's the jam. Um, TikTok captions. We talked about that. You'll know. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but like um, people, teenagers, young adults are hiding how they're feeling in their TikTok captions it's become almost code so if you work with young people something to keep an eye out like for instance um somebody posted the other day like loved my mom's lasagna after dinner um on tiktok and it got like three thousand comments with people saying hey praying for you reaching out to you you'll get through this because there's like an unwritten code um amongst millennials and generation z on tiktok about again we have created an atmosphere where you cannot say i need help because we're afraid to be seen as weak. So people have to do something, make a code and make something as his name is saying, I enjoyed my mom's lasagna tonight on TikTok for people to realize, oh, this person's contemplating suicide. We need to reach out to them. So again, be willing to have the conversations with people, folks. We just have to be willing to have a conversation. We don't have to know all the answers. We are not licensed professionals. We've said that five times on here, but we're just having a conversation about things that we know and that we've seen and that we've heard. Yeah. I would say parents, um, if you're, if you have kids on social media, like talk, talk to them about that trend, um, about, you know, the codes of, of mental health, people reaching out in social media on mental health. There are articles out there. You can find it. Like they try to, when they discover the codes, they try to update them. So parents and youth, youth pastors and stuff know what, what they are, but it's an interesting conversation to have with your kids. Um, Again, you know, again, having conversations with your kids is is the first important step. All of these things we should be talking about on social, all the things that we experience on social media, we should be talking through with our young people, whether they're young people in our youth group or our kids at home. Um, but that would be one to check up with them on um, and just see, are they seeing it among their friend group? If they are seeing it among their friend group, do they know how to help? Um, do your kids know how to to help their friends get resources? Do your kids know how to be a listening ear? Um, all those things are are good tools that we can equip our kids with. How do you know? How do you? How can you be a good friend in this situation? Another practical step for help is something that's been very helpful for me in my life. It, I, I keep calling it like you know Matt Satterley's three step process for dealing with fear and anxiety in your life. All right. So I'll throw these at you, write them down if you want, or you can rewind the podcast and just listen to them whenever you need to. But uh, here's the three-step process for dealing with the ugly five in your life. Number one is pray. When you feel the anxiety come over you, uh, the worry, the fear, anything, the first step should be, hey, Lord, will you please take this from me? Will you please work this through with me? Again, we've said, you know, we're not being dismissive. We do need to genuinely bring our fears, concerns, our anxiety to the Lord in prayer. He he tells us to do that in Philippians. We're going to look at that scripture verse here in a little bit. But when you feel that anxiety, step one is pray about it. Step two, do everything you can do humanly possible to take care of the situation. For example, if you are having a health concern, if you feel a lump, or if you are worried about a fever or a heartbeat that goes too fast, call the doctor. Go to the doctor. Do everything you practically can human-wise to take care of that. If you think you offended somebody in something that you said, reach out to them. There are little ways we can do. There are human things we can do that that aren't a, you know, it's just a simple way. And by doing that, you can alleviate some of that anxiety. If you, again, if you, if you're scared, say you're scared and then just go and do all that you can to take care of it humanly while you're praying. That was step one. And then step three, stop worrying about it. Leave it on the altar. Leave it alone. You've prayed about it. You've left it in the Lord's hands. You've done everything you can to take care of it. Now leave it alone. If that anxiety comes up again, which it inevitably will, because anxiety never stays buried long, is when that anxiety comes back up again, then you go back to step one. You pray about it. And can you do anything differently to humanly take care of the problem? Whether it be a health concern, if you're worried about the pandemic, wear a mask, social distance, wash your hands constantly, do everything you humanly can to take care of the problem, but don't let it overtake your life. You got to do that and then, and then leave it alone. 
Yeah, I would just say, again, um, as we go through this practical steps, practical things that you can do, um, and in, in thinking through this step one, step two, and step three, again, we're, um, we're saying, you know, sometimes it's a mutual, it can be for some people, a mutual need. Um, you know, it's the faith and outside help, medication and resources. So in the same way, we're saying, uh, you know, it's okay to seek further help um, to, to get meds, to get therapy. What we're also saying is that if you are having those meds and are having those therapy, don't forget that your faith also goes along with it. It's a wholeness thing, right? Um, in the same way, I wouldn't say to you, you don't need those meds, just pray. I would also say to you, you don't need prayer, just take meds. Um, you know, it's talking, talking to counselors and therapy and therapists as someone who's talk to a counselor. It's fantastic, but that doesn't mean that I don't also need to be in communion with my creator. Um, you know, as, as much help as I get out of talking to my therapist, I also still need to be talking about those things with the Lord. So when Matt says here, step one, two, and three, he's not saying, Hey, this is all the solution that you need. He's just saying, don't, you know, while you're also doing these things to help, here are some ways that in the moment we can be thinking, Oh, prayer. You know, for sure. Uh, for sure. What are some things that I can do? You know, it's it's there's it's not a one a one step cure. But while we're also doing these things, here are some resources. Sometimes you're going to need to pull multiple things um, down. Yeah. If you're yes, thank you, Cam Jamie. If you are lonely, depressed, worried, fear, anxious, and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that is the biggest thing right there. Is you need Jesus came to 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 live life with you to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly and so you I'm desperately praying and hoping for you to have that relationship with Jesus where he is the Christ the son of the living God to you and that he is in your life that you're discipling with him that is step 1 in all of this step that should be step 0 uh, a and then you go from there it's well, the foundation upon which all other sure. things are for sure built. Well, let's talk a little bit about, we, I mean, we did talk about faith, but let's talk about what the Bible has to say about it. Um, another practical help that you can do is, and this, I found this very helpful in my life, write down all the scripture verses that you can on dealing with anxiety, worry, fear. The Jesus had a lot to say on the subject. 365 times in the Bible is the verse, do not fear, do not fear. 365, where have I heard that number before? <laughs> Exactly. 2021 is coming up. Maybe you write down every day you write down a do not fear verse and you just stick it around your house. Post it noted up on your bathroom mirror, on your cell phone in the morning when it's charging, on your refrigerator. Take the time to get into the word, to write it down and to put it in front of you. Philippians 4, 6, 7, I think is probably one of the best verses that has to do with anxiety, worry, fear. It says this, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, do not be anxious about anything. That's a tough order, Lord. <laughs> but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Pray about it. And then verse 7, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 is a great thing that we can uh, we can be doing. Now, before we hit the last two, Cam James, do you have any other practical helps? Uh, no, I, I would just uh, reiterate, like for me, I'm a facts person. Um, so sometimes, um, you know, a lot of times when my anxiety gets the best of me, it's it's all based in things that are not reality. Um, you know, they say 90% of the things you worry about never happen or whatever. And that tends to be a lot of my, a lot of my things. So the, the worst case scenario as a, a list person and a person who likes to be prepared, um, you know, reminding myself of facts and and kind of playing that out okay if this if this thing that i'm worried about were to happen you know what would be the next thing um that helps me feel a little bit more prepared a little more in control um which for me is part of the root of my anxiety is uh, not not being able to you know control something that's happening to me or um you know feeling out of control always tends to spur mine on and so that's always super helpful for me and like you said, um, medi kind of meditating as a Christian, somebody whose faith is important, um, meditating on scripture, 
really does help. I have a whole list of scriptures that I go through in these times that are helpful to me. One of my favorites is from Psalm 94. Um, it said, when, when anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. Um, and, and I have a whole list of ones that I go through um, that, you know, I just kind of help me, um, I guess, centered is not not the right phrase, I guess, but just helps me take my focus uh, off of me. And it reminds myself that, you know, Lord, you said the, uh, the joy of the Lord will be my strength. You know, we sing that song, the joy of the Lord will be my strength. What else brings me joy? Your consolation. When I'm spinning out of control in my mind, um, you know, where do I look? I look to the rock. Um, there's so many, there's so many of them that just go through my head um, or that I use to kind of, you know, pray myself down. Um, so that's why it helps to know your scripture. Uh, you know, I will hide God's word in my heart. I won't lean on, you know, there's so many, all these things. Why do I hide his word in my heart? Well, so it keeps me from sin, but it also keeps me from spinning out of control. Elizabeth, do you have any, um, like practical steps, any things that's been helpful to you whenever all of us feel these things? So when you, when you have that stuff, uh, is there something that just kind of makes it Go away, makes you feel a little better. Any practical steps for our listeners? I don't drink coffee then. Oh, that's cool. Because it makes me all jittery and it just makes things worse. Sure. I think as somebody once said, um, you know, a lot of life's problems can be taken away by getting eight hours sleep, uh, eating right, exercising, and uh, drinking lots of water, something like that. So, mm. <laughs> um no, listen, I think it's a good tip, Elizabeth, because it's it's what it is, is it's knowing yourself, right? You know that coffee makes you feel jittery, and so you avoid it. And so, again, like I said earlier, I think sometimes just understanding ourselves and then avoiding those things can make a world of difference. When I had uh, my youngest daughter, Susanna, I had with both kids, I had postpartum depression pretty bad, but with Susanna, it was especially bad. Um, and I could not, I could not watch... Um, cop dramas or true crime anything during that time which is strange because i love me a good cop drama poor matt always having to deal with the ncis or whatever on in our house um but i just could not it was something about it it was just too much um and so there i just had to avoid n no law and order no ncis no nothing because it would just make me feel uh i guess out of control afraid nervous about what was out there um and so there were you know, it's, it's just like that. You just have to know yourself and know like, okay, at this time in my life, what is it that's making me, maybe it's coffee, maybe it's cop dramas, maybe it's social media, maybe it's, you know, uh, just whatever situation that for them, for this time until, you know, I can figure things out. I just need to put it away. That's okay. Well, our last two tips are if you are if you are suffering from the ugly five, again, loneliness, depression, anxiety, worry, and fear, so much that it is crippling your life. Um, the, our neck our word of advice would be you got to talk to somebody. You're gonna need to seek professional help. There's lots of Christian counselors out there who would love to talk to you. Um, the Salvation Army uh, has a uh, a uh, hope number that they set up for during the pandemic, just for people to call who are saying, "I just need some hope. I just need somebody to talk to, to listen to." Um, you can talk to a pastor um, through there. I think the lines are open from nine a.m. to nine uh, p.m. It's available in English and in Spanish. That phone number is one eight four 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 five eight hope one eight four 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 five eight hope. And lastly, we definitely need to say. That if you are thinking about suicide um, or even contemplating it in any form or fashion, we want you to talk to the suicide prevention number 1-800-273-TALK. 1-800-273-TALK. That phone number is for the national number. Um, you can write that down. And if anybody ever, you're just talking to a friend or any other young adults, or if you're in youth ministry talking to your kids, 1-800-273-TALK is the uh, suicide prevention number. Well, Go ahead, Captain Jamie, and let's finish on a good note here. Yeah, I was just going to say uh, two more things. One, um, again, speaking from personal experience, when when we say talk to someone, sometimes the first person that you talk to, the first counselor, the first doctor, sometimes um, it's not the right fit, and that's okay. Um, don't let, don't be like, well, this one therapist didn't help me, so therapy, all therapy is terrible. You may need to to try two or three people. 
Um, you may need to try more than one medication to find the right one for you. Don't just don't give up hope. Um, you know, the, the first counselor I talked to, it was, it was not great. Um, but you know, you just, you figure it out and you find somebody who fits in with you. Um, and, and that's okay. Don't just don't give up, figure it out. Um, keep, keep looking for resources, ask for help to find those resources. There are people out there, um, who, who kind of, this is like their job, especially if you're, you know, on a limited income, um, or something like that, there, there are resources available to you. Um, so just, just reach out. Um, a lot of times, um, your Salvation Army, your local Salvation Army will have a social worker or a social service person who can help get you those resources. So if you don't know where to turn, if you don't know, you know, you say, I just don't have the money to pay for a counselor and I don't even know how to look for one. Um, you know, try, call your local Salvation Army social worker. Um, and they're usually pretty keyed into everybody in the community and could help you figure that out. Um, I would also just say that, um, you know, as the editor of Peer Magazine, uh, this is one of the the topics that is kind of uh, weighing heavily on our hearts at Peer. Um, how to tackle this with Gen Z, who is our target audience, and so we have a couple of things that we're trying to do to to um, just get resources out there to people. So two things that we're doing starting in January, we're going to have an online um, uh, article, an online uh, kind of helps resources. We've uh, partnered with four licensed counselors, licensed therapists um, who are going to be writing. They're on a rotating basis, writing articles for us. So once a month, those will come out um, all in uh, all throughout 2021. So follow us um, on, on our social media, which sounds funny after we just talked about limiting social media, but <laughs> fo- follow us uh, on social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, and that'll start again in January, about mid-month, every month, we will release a new one of those articles from a licensed professional um, on how to deal with um, all kinds of things that that uh, surround the Ugly Five. Uh, so that's online. In print, we are repurposing, uh, at least for right now, we're, uh, we're looking at about a six month. It may extend longer than that. We're repurposing our um, hashtag the moment column, and it's going to be hashtag mental health moments. Um, so again, that starts in January as well, where it's just tips on um, dealing with mental health issues, um, anxiety in yourself, how to support a friend with anxiety, um, all different things. So that'll come out in the print edition every month as well. Both of those start again in January. So we recognize this is a, a, a huge deal uh, not just for Gen Z, but for for each generation, and so we're just trying to to tackle it with the resources that we have available to tackle it. Some uh, good news to end this podcast before we go to our uh, standard question we ask at the end, and uh, we talked about you know the twenty five percent of young adults in the month of June who contemplated suicide. However, in the span of March and July of this year, a survey was done among teenagers. And teenagers reported less in anxiety and depression through the months of March and July. And so the researchers were trying to figure out, well, why all of a sudden is there a little dip in the anxiety and depression? And the reasons were given were simple, simple, practical reasons. Number one, teenagers were getting more than seven hours of sleep a night. Two, they decreased their social media. Social media gets boring after a while, after it's the same thing. So about March, March to July, teenagers were hanging up their social media and going and do other things. And I then, think it's also like virtual burnout from being on at school, virtual school. So I think it's just, you know, and we I feel it. I think a lot of people, not just teens, are feeling it. You kind of are burned out on the virtual meetings and the virtual, you know, everything else. And so they're just like, oh, let me just put this down. For sure. And three, the third reason given was increased family time. When families were stuck together inside relationships that had maybe been shallow or quiet or been so busy you didn't have time for them, when you're all stuck together and everything gets canceled, uh, increased family time. So there is some good news um, as we get ready to wrap this up. The anxiety and depression levels among teenagers dips. Now, the question will be, what? how different will we be? when we're allowed to go back out, when we're allowed to go back into the world. Yeah, I think it's a good challenge for us as parents or as youth pastors. Um, how do we sustain that? You know, if, if, if teens, if they're feeling more mentally healthy because of this, which is 
incredible to think about, you know, in the midst of a worldwide pandemic, these things have helped teens feel more mentally healthy. Well, how can we continue that, you know, after, after all this goes away? Um, or, you know, how do we sustain it if it doesn't go away? Um, those kind of things. So it's, it's good conversations again to have with your teen. Are you feeling, uh, how are you feeling in your mental health? Are you feeling less anxious, less depressed? Are you feeling more, um, I think sometimes as parents, we're afraid to ask kids, you know, these questions, but kind of my parenting philosophy is you don't know if you don't ask. So I just try to, <laughs> my poor kids, I ask all the questions and we have all the conversations. Uh, but I think it's good. Um, it's just a good thing to, to talk through with them. Let's, uh, let's finish up with some joy, Cam. Jamie, close us up. All right. What's one thing that is giving you joy? I always love this question. Uh, what's one good thing or what's uh, one thing that's giving you joy this week? Elizabeth, what's been giving you joy? Okay, this is pretty huge. <laughs> so recently, the Salvation Army put out like a promo for the Angel Sheet program featuring Carlos and Alexa Penavega. Yes. Which I love big time rush. That was totally awesome. <laughs> but what got me even more hyped was the song they used in the background was a Hefron Drive song, which if you don't know, Hefron Drive, the lead singer is Kendall from big time rush. So they ah. used like a, a big time rush member <laughs> song. And I was just so delighted. El Elizabeth is having a double <laughs> inception moment. I was here. like, mind blown. I'm like, is this it? No, it can't be, but it was. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Listen, it, don't you put it past the national media manager in the <laughs> publications department and program department to notice the uh, background music of a... Uh... Yeah, I don't think I would have made the connection. <laughs> oh my gosh, Happy Mistakes, Heffron Drive. Go check it out. I'm going to have to look uh, at it. Matt, what's giving you joy? Oh, the thing giving me joy this uh, last week is definitely the TV show Survivor. <gasps> we t we talked about it the first. Listen, everybody, if you ever want to talk Survivor, Elizabeth is the person you need to talk to. Hit uh, me up. For sure. We talked about Survivor being the OG of reality shows, but um, just that you can get two seasons on Netflix. You can get a lot more seasons on uh, Amazon Prime, uh, Prime Video if you get it. But it is just a great way to... Uh, watch other people's drama for a bit. And I just enjoy, I just enjoy the whole thing of like, it, it's a great game. It really is. It's just a good game. Like, I mean, you get your wheel of fortune. I get your jeopardy. I get your prices. Right. Don't be slamming my jeopardy. No rest in power, Alex Trebek. But like, just there's something about survivor. It's a game. Just remember that when you watch it, when you get into drama, it's a game. And if you're a camp director out there, if you've ever done summer staff, you know what survivors like you <laughs> people can just be manipulative and stuff. It's just, it's a great watch. And that's just got me happy. How about you, Cam Jamie wrap us up. What is giving you joy this week? Uh, what it's giving me joy is eBooks. Um, I am just having a, an eBook. I've always been a big reader. Um, but now, you know, during the pandemic, you couldn't go to the library. Um, and you know, my wallet has its limitations, so I can't order all the books that I want to read on Amazon. <laughs> as much as I would love to. Uh, so being able to check out eBooks, especially now because there's so many places, you know, if you want to pay, you can have, um, you know, Kindle Unlimited or there's all kinds of paid resources. But if you just get a library card, I will say my local library been, has been letting me down. Uh, but I do have, I probably shouldn't say that. They're going to come, all the librarians are going to come after me. Um, <laughs> the, uh, my, I still have, this I don't, hopefully I'm not admitting to anything illegal here. I still have access to my previous uh, residence. My library card is still maintained, um, and so I still get eBooks from there. They have an extensive eBook library. Ooh, double um, dip in. I mean, like maybe one day they'll catch me. It's a free <laughs> service. Are they really going to come after me? I don't know. I hope not, because then what would I do? Where would my joy be? You just admitted to library fraud. <laughs> On a national podcast. Um, well, we might have to edit that part. <laughs> <laughs> well, Elizabeth, uh, Jamie, thank you for uh, tackling this tough subject with me. Again, um, we thank you for your time. Thank you for uh, listening to us. And um, again, if you're dealing with these ugly five, talk to someone. Be willing to uh, listen, pray, and uh, keep that faith and uh, stay connected to the one 
who is the source of our abundant life. That's going to end this episode of the Battle Line podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Battle Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Please go on there. Give us a five-star review. Uh, we would love that. <laughs> Shameless plug. And don't, don't forget to follow us. Uh, don't forget to follow uh, us and don't forget to follow Peer uh, on the Peer website at peermag.org or follow Peer on responsibly. <laughs> on Facebook, (laughs) Instagram, and Twitter at peer.magazine. Until next time, this has been the Battle Eyed Podcast. Bye, guys. Bye.